Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South, friend of the show and a busy man. And Connor, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon? Gentlemen, doing well. Uh, feels good that we made it. The off season officially over. I, I need some football. I, I feel like I'm, I'm I, like the last few weeks have been like trying not to dig too deep into fall camp storylines. I'm glad we got some football this weekend. Can't can't wait for for tonight's opener. Well, speaking of tonight's opener, uh, we were talking about Florida and Utah. And of course, you know, Florida is a team. I'm sure you've thought about it and talked about it and written about it, and I know we have. You know, Billy Napier, not to say he's going to get fired this year, but they need to see something. And to have this game on the road to start off the season, it might be a pretty big one, especially if Utah's quarterback's not even going to play. So just what do you make of this matchup? And even though Florida won last year, do you feel like Florida can replicate that and win on the road there in Utah? It's a big opportunity for a variety of reasons. And it would have been big whether or not Cam Rising, like whether like if he's playing or not, like this is still really important for Billy Napier, not because he's – in jeopardy of losing his job. I, anybody that's talking about that, you're ignoring the $31 million buyout. $31 million it would cost to fire him when we've never seen anybody pay more than what Auburn gave Gus Malzahn, $21.5 million. So I don't really like that conversation with him. But is he in a position where, yeah, you want to get some momentum in year two? You'd like to avoid being on every single hot seat list in America going into next season, knowing how difficult that schedule looks like. Yeah, and be a lot more... A lot, a lot more challenging to recruit if that's the discussion around you. But you got an opportunity on national television tonight to show, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I knew what I was talking about when I went out and I got Graham Mertz. said I evaluated 20 quarterbacks in the transfer portal. I knew something that others didn't. I am able to maximize his abilities, go watch what he can do against a really respected Utah defense. I went out and I hired a 30-year-old defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong. He's 29 at the time that he was hired, but he's 30 now. I know what I'm talking about. I, I know that this guy is going to dial up the pressures and he's going to get us back to playing the type of defense that we have expected at Florida for so long. This is an opportunity for him to show the world all of those things. After an offseason with really low expectations, this is the lowest preseason expectations that I've seen for a Florida season in my lifetime, and I was born in 1990. So tonight you know, has a, a very strong chance, in my opinion, of at least quieting some of those concerns. But you're still going on the road. To a place where Utah, even without Cam Rising, they haven't lost at home in front of their home fans since 2018. Last home loss was 2020, but that was without fans. So it's a huge matchup, I think, for Florida. And to be able to move past some of those off-season storylines, I think, would be big for Billy Napier. The biggest piece that Florida lost is Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But what are some positives with that offense as far as returning players? The positive is that you've still got a one-two punch at running back. It's one of the best in the SEC, and it should be one of the best in college football. Montreal Johnson Jr. and Trevor Etienne were such a bright spot for that team last year. And, you know, you think about what is this Florida offense going to try and do? Ideally, it wants to run the ball. It wants to establish the line of scrimmage. But the question is whether or not they're going to be able to do that. I mean, they lost so many guys on that offensive line, which was kind of stunning. That's the, the overlooked part. Of, of this this Florida puzzle that we're trying to figure out is, yeah, like you have a quarterback that's got a lot of questions, but you've also got an offensive line that only returned one starter at your center, and he's even questionable for tonight. So you have a lot of questions there up front, and are you going to be able to maximize what should be your biggest strength? Because Florida was a good running team last year. I mean, they really were. And 
they didn't even need the design runs from Anthony Richardson to be a good running team, but they have so many new pieces up front. I, I think that's kind of the area that they would like to be able to lean on. Florida would probably prefer to play in a lot of low-scoring games. They don't want to be playing in games that get into the 30s and have to rely on back-and-forth battles with Graham Mertz. They'd rather try and, 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 and sit on a lead and be able to kind of control that clock and show that they're the, the better team down the stretch in these games. So are you saying that Florida needs to play like Wisconsin, where Graham Mertz came mm. from? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, that's the irony, right? I mean, yeah, Graham Mertz didn't end up staying at Wisconsin, where now they're installing the air raid with Phil Longo. And it's not the air raid that we've seen from from Mike Leach. But, yeah, at the same time, I mean, I don't think Graham Mertz is coming to Florida to throw the football 40 times a game. And if that's the case, Buddy, it's going to get bad in a hurry for, for Billy Napier here. Um, I just don't think that he has that in his arsenal based on what we've seen from him so far. And I don't think you can say that's all just the Wisconsin scheme. I mean, the guy has probably had as many loaded boxes to, to throw against as any Power 5 starter, and it was still such a struggle. I mean, his numbers against AP Top 25 competition, they're putrid. I mean, really, really bad. And so if he can establish in the early part of this season – hey, you know what, I know what I'm doing. And I, I can be a distributor of the football in the way that this team needs, in the way that Anthony Richardson wasn't last year. You know, that, that's huge. Like, Anthony Richardson, the last college game he played, he went 36 minutes without a completed pass. I mean, that, that is an insane thing to think about. If Graham Mertz can elevate that aspect of Florida's offense, they could be in a better spot, and they could have a much more consistent offense for Florida this year. So, Connor, also just uh, looking at it from Florida, I've heard people uh, on ESPN, I think it was Ian Fitzsimmons, said that the atmosphere there at, for Utah, at Utah is like a can it's a cannibalistic nature that gets medieval on you. And I was like, okay, um, that, that's that's one way of putting it. I have not been to Utah. I know Arkansas plays, actually, in Salt Lake City against Utah here in a few years. But I, I see that. I'm like, I don't know. Florida plays in a lot of places, like LSU every every other year or whatnot, that's pretty intimidating. Do you think that maybe the atmosphere and the raucous nature of out there in Utah may be something that plays a factor into tonight's game? Absolutely. Yeah, look, uh, they, have, they have some great, great atmospheres in the west, western part of the country. And I know the Pac-12 right now, whatever, whatever we want to call it moving forward, it, it is, is getting a, a really, really tough uh, last couple months in terms of PR and the interest with the TV deal, all that stuff. But, Man, watch that game tonight. Watch that game tonight and tell me that doesn't look like a really, really fun atmosphere. It's going to be an adjustment. It is unique that these two teams are playing. You know, the, I think it's the Sickos Committee who reminded everybody, like, this is Florida's first non-conference road game outside of the state of Florida since, like, 1980 or something, which is just bananas to think about that, uh, how long it's been since we've seen a team like this travel to that region of the country. and Are they going to have – difficulties dealing with the mountain air. You know, I spent a week out in Utah last year. I live in Central Florida. Very different. Very, very different just in terms of the air that you breathe and how you're able to, to move around and what feels normal. I, and it will be an adjustment. So I, I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. It almost makes it more interesting, in my opinion, that Cam Rodgers is going to be playing to, to think that these two teams are going to have a what should be a pretty fair fight. It, it should be a fun physical game tonight on ESPN. And because of that, with Cam Rising not playing, or you mentioned Utah's defense already. You put more stock into their defense overall and helping them come away with a win if, if they are able to win this game? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Utah wins a low-scoring game. I think they win a low-scoring game. I think Florida covers, what was that spread? The spread moved all over the place. I think it was initially at 11 when it was believed that Rising was going to be back, and then it moved all the way down to like four, four and a half. I'm not sure what you guys have it at right now, but I think 
Utah is able to win this game by like three, and it, it's a game in which we don't really know how it's going to end. Much like last year, I mean, think about that game last year where you know it was truly back and forth, and Florida ends up making a great play in the end zone, interception by Amari Amari Bernie on a play where it looked like wow, Utah is about to take a go ahead, you know, go ahead touchdown drive right now, and instead, you know, Florida gets the big defensive stand. That might have been the high point of their season from that standpoint, but. You know, Utah has got four guys on that preseason all-pack 12 team. Uh, they, they are loaded up front, and, and that's just in their front seven I'm talking about. And they have six, six of the 21 preseason first-team all-pack 12 guys are from Utah. And not one of those six guys is Sam Rising. This is a really talented football team coming off of consecutive Pac-12 championships. Go ask Utah or go ask USC about how good Utah is. It's going to be a difficult matchup for Florida on the road. We're speaking with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South here on the phone lines on Out of Bounds. And, Connor, uh, besides that game, though, there's quite a few of other college football games. you got another SEC team with Missouri playing tonight, too. Uh, you have some other Power 5 teams uh, that are going to be going at it. Uh, just a few of you have known, like Nebraska Minnesota, which I know may be a barn burner to some. But uh, as far as the other games, though, tonight, uh, which one has your attention or maybe the one that you're most intrigued in? How about, how about Arkansas's? Biggest rival, Mizzou. Uh, no, I say that. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> cheek. Uh, no, I am interested, though, in seeing a couple of things with Mizzou. And, and I'll take it with a grain of salt because it's against South Dakota. But they're going to have a quarterback rotation. Brady Cook hasn't necessarily established himself as QB1, despite the fact that he finished the regular season pretty well, played really well in that game against Arkansas. But there is real momentum for Sam Warren, the second-year guy, the former Elite 11 guy, to take over this offense. And what does that look like now with Kirby Moore calling plays on the offensive side of the ball? It's the first time Eli Drinkwitz has brought in an offensive play caller during his time as a head coach. What does that quarterback situation look like? And what does it look like for Luther Burden, the guy who was the number one overall receiver in the 2022 class and had kind of an up and down first year in just terms of in terms of finding ways to use him? That was a very well documented issue for that Mizzou team. And what does it look like this year now that he's playing out of the slot? Don Lovett. Their leading receiver, he transferred to Georgia, so maybe he's playing in his more comfortable role. There will be some takeaways from Mizzou, albeit against very much lesser competition. How about UCF making their Big 12 debut? They play an out-of-conference game, but they play against Kent State, a team that Arkansas will see next week. Yeah, and you know, down here in my neck of the woods in Orlando, there's, it's weird to think I live in Big 12 country now. That doesn't <laughs> really feel right. That doesn't <laughs> make sense at all to me. Um, look, John Rice Plumley in a different world in a different time would have been so fun to stay in the SEC. The UCF starting quarterback, um, my, my, one of my, my SDS colleague, Chris Marler, calls him Bro Jackson because he's a two-sport stud. Uh, and he is so fun to watch in this offense. Like, if you're, try, if you're one of those college football fans, you're like trying to figure out, right, what am I going to watch tonight? Maybe, you know, Florida, Utah's blood or something like that. You're, you want to turn on a game. Turn on John Rice Plumley. Just watch him cook a guy who was so good that first year as a true freshman as a runner at Ole Miss. It's still go back to that game that he played against the eventual national champ, LSU. It was a thing of beauty watching that guy move in space. Uh, he'll be worth the price of admission. UCF is a fun team. They're kind of a dark horse Big 12 team. Big 12 is fun this year. Last year, Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. And dare I say, the Big 12 is about to get a lot more interesting without those two. But with those two this year, with the four new additions, it's going to be a really interesting race in the Big 12 and perhaps one that's going to have a, a very, uh, well, I mean, if Texas isn't able to be back this year, one that could have some very <laughs> significant implications long term. 
Well, Connor, also looking at the, the slate of games all weekend long, it's going to be great just having games on Saturday and Sunday and even Monday. But uh, of all the games that are going on, maybe some of the top 25 teams, who do you feel like maybe on upset alert or maybe a team? Because we see it's happened before where a team, whether the top 25, maybe even just a major power five team going up against a, a group of five. But is there any team or any game in specifically that you see you're like, hey, this could be upset city this weekend? Well, I don't like it, it's not really fair to call it an upset, but for a while, like I, I've been saying Florida State against LSU. I, I think I think Florida State's a bad matchup for LSU. I do. Like I, I thought that for a while. I thought that for the Mason Smith suspension, which is just complete and total bogus. And I realize that spread is like two and a half points, so I'm not really going on a limb by saying I think Florida State is going to win in their home state when they won this matchup last year. But that's the one where I feel like we're gonna we're gonna be having such a different conversation about LSU. I think on Monday compared to the one that we've been having for the last eight months and college football is unique in that eight months can just go out the window, just like that. in week one. And I think what we're going to see from LSU is that they're, they're, they're a little bit more mortal than a lot of people have made them out to be as this you know, preseason sec champ potential playoff type team. And I think we're going to see those weaknesses. Florida state has a really good chance of exposing the weakness that LSU has, which is in the secondary. They have so many question marks on that back end. And what does it look like if they can't get home rushing four? They have such a good group of receivers, Florida State does, with Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman coming in from Michigan State, Jaheim Bell coming in from South Carolina. They have a quarterback who can absolutely make you pay if you are not really good on the back end. And if you can't get home, you will extend plays so unbelievably well. So I think it's not so much upset alert, but I think that's the one where we're all of a sudden going to be having much different thoughts about LSU than we did entering the weekend. Now, that game with LSU and Florida State, it is a top-10 matchup, the most marquee game on the schedule this weekend. But other than that game, what are some games you're just looking forward to in general? I like Colorado TCU. That's going to be fun. Seeing the debut of Dion, uh, seeing what it looks like with a team that had, what, like 57 transfer portal additions, <laughs> just unprecedented type stuff against the defending runner-up TCU squad that, everybody's kind of looking at with, with yeah, a little bit side-eye, like, hey, was last year fluke? Or was 65-7 to 7 just the sign of a team that got exposed? You had your moment. Now you're going to go back into 7-5-8-4 territory. I think that one's going to be really interested. You know, TCU's a three-touchdown favorite, so maybe it won't be particularly close. I think people want to just hate on Neon and probably not acknowledge that Colorado is, in my opinion, like an even worse Power 5 team than Bandy one bowl game in the last 15 years. And a lot of people, if Dion doesn't get to a bowl game this year, will be like, see, he's failing. But to me, that's ridiculous. But that, that is just such a juicy opening weekend matchup. And then, you know, I'm an Indiana grad, so I'm a little bit biased here. But Ohio State-Indiana, think about this, guys. That's going to be the 3-30 game on CBS. That's not going to feel right. That's just going to feel so weird. We're going to see if you flip over to that, that's just going to, oh, what's, what, what's going on? Big 10, 3-30, CBS, that, that doesn't make any sense. 2-30, I realize. In, in your neck of the woods, but that's going to be one that I think is going to be interesting. Not so much that I think it's going to be close or anything like that, but hearing Gary Danielson on the call for Big Ten game at 3.30, 2.30 Central, it's just going to be a head-scratcher that we'll probably, uh, we'll probably be talking about opening weekend. Dude, you're telling me that the Sunday morning game at 11 a.m. on CBS between Rutgers and Northwestern doesn't get you going? Like, that? that's not the one on Sunday you're going to be checking out? Uh, you know, look... I, my first exposure to college football 
as a kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, was going to Northwestern football games and sitting at the bleachers in what was then called Dyke Stadium, nicknamed, well, later renamed to Ryan Field. And I did not realize I was watching Big Ten football until I was like 10. So, <laughs> look, uh, it, it, yeah, that, needless to say, that will not be getting uh, space on any one of my screens available that I have in my house. Yeah, I, I was just, when I was looking through it, and uh, we actually talked with Chris Marler yesterday about it, I was like, oh my goodness, it's 11 a.m. nationally televised from Piscataway, New Jersey on a Sunday. And uh, Rutgers, according to Bet Saracen, has a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. But the over-under is set at 39-and-a-half. Oh, so, over. Oh. Let's go over. <laughs> Thinking it's going to be a shootout, maybe. I don't know. But, man, how, I, I just want to know who who's a bright idea. is like, hey, let's have this huge Big Ten matchup of Northwestern and Rutgers on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. That's impressive. I mean, look, it beats some of the some of the the Power Five FCS matchups that that we're getting. At least there's, it, you know, if you're going to be bad, you've got to have sickos committee appeal, right? You've got to be so bad that you're good. It's like that <laughs> bad Sunday morning movie. At least get us to that place where we we're going to have punts that are whiffed. We're going to have you know teams punting from like the 34 yard line. I mean, this is going to be. For those, for the sickos, this is truly going to be a masterpiece. I don't know what in the world to expect of Northwestern after the offseason that's been, but, man, it's it's going to be so bad that it's probably good. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm wanting one of those, you know, historic, like, 6-3 to three final score type things, you know, just one that has all the makings for something that's beautifully disastrous. That's what I'm hoping for. But, hey, it's great just to have games whatsoever, no matter what time, what day, and they're going to have plenty of them this weekend. Connor, my man, as always, we appreciate it. Enjoy this whole long weekend of college football, man. We'll be catching up with you as the season goes on. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys.